Spectrum's brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Before a new idea can become a way of thinking, before one detail can flip the narrative, before anything that matters can change the world, it must, above all, be known. The duty of the Scripps College of Communication is to bring forth the people who bring forth the knowledge, by word or image or data stream and in every medium and by all means, they succeed. They say, make it loud, make it clear, make it known. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with fascinating people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Dr. James R. Gaskell. For 40 years, Dr. Gaskell practiced medicine as a pediatrician, and for the past two decades, he has also served as the Athens City County Health Commissioner and Medical Director for Athens County, Ohio. We talk in-depth about problems being faced related to delivering and administering the COVID-19 vaccine in a rural part of Appalachia. In addition to being rural, Athens County also is the home of Ohio University, a major state university. This complicates things further. Dr. Gaskell, the population of Athens County, as I understand it, is about 65,000 people. As of January 3rd, how many have been vaccinated and how much vaccine do we have here in the county? We uh, have very little vaccine. We're dealing with a scarcity of supply. Demand is, the demand is much greater than the supply. We vaccinated uh, from the Athens City County Health Department 438 people. Now, I'm not sure how many individuals have been vaccinated by Ohio Health, but they have received vaccine and, invite, and, uh, and vaccinated their associates. Now, I'm not sure how many they vaccinated. I, I think probably it's in the range of 400 or so, but uh, that's a very small number considering the number of individuals in our county. When you say Ohio Health, now that that would be Ohio Health of Blenheim and uh, associated with Ohio University, Ohio Health as as well. And when you say associates, that would be doctors, personnel, uh, people in the hospital, people in the ER, nurses, the whole range of their employees. They're taking care of vaccinating their employees but not the general citizenry. Would that be correct? That would be correct. Now, if they have enough vaccine, they may get involved in vaccinating uh, all the citizens of our county. But initially, uh, they're uh, vaccinating, if you will, uh, frontline employees, people dealing with individuals who might have coronavirus, uh, doctors, nurses, uh, and other support people who might uh, encounter individuals with the disease. So 
eventually, uh, as they roll out more vaccine, they might uh, actually uh, coordinate with us <clears throat> and uh, have vaccine clinics that uh, vaccinate the general public if they have vaccine and we don't. And we can support them by basically sort of running the clinic because we know how to do that. So we do have a cooperative arrangement. We talk to them every week, uh, the individuals at Ohio Health. And uh, it's possible that as we move forward with this process of trying to vaccinate the entire populace, uh, we may have coordinated efforts with Ohio Health and, of course, with the Osteopathic College of uh, Osteopathic College of Medicine. Correct. Uh, we've used their facility, the Heritage New Building. Uh, we've used their facilities for a vaccine clinic, and the New Heritage uh, College of Osteopathic Building is ideal for vaccinating large numbers of people. It's a beautiful building, and uh, we had a very small clinic there recently of about 200 people, but we can certainly vaccinate many more than that. We can vaccinate probably in the range of six or eight hundred in a day in that new facility. So let's let's take this step by step. The the first group that uh, was to be vaccinated, as I understand it, were healthcare workers, emergency medical people, frontline people, but also in that group, uh, CVS, Walgreens, pharmacies were supposed to. Uh, give vaccines to nursing homes, senior citizens facilities, assisted living facilities, congregate settings for older people, as well as their staff. Is that being done? Because I get reports that there haven't been vaccinations at, at uh, a local assisted living facility. Yes, that's that's phase 1A. And uh under phase 1A, healthcare personnel are to be vaccinated as well as long-term care facility residents. And CVS uh, and Walgreen pharmacies uh, have been given a contract, actually, to provide that vaccination. And I, as best I know, that's somewhat moving forward, but uh, at a very slow pace. Uh, there haven't been very many people vaccinated yet. They are sort of suffering uh, like the health department is suffering from very little vaccine so far. Now, when we first began this pandemic, we had difficulties with PPE. There wasn't very much personal protective equipment. Uh, and that was a, a serious shortage. And uh, it took a little while before it began to roll out. I'm going to say a few weeks. Private industry got involved, began to produce PPE. Of course, we're all familiar with the local face masks that were made. Right. Uh, and eventually, PPE appeared in abundance. Matter of fact, we had so much PPE at the health department, we didn't know what to do with it all. Uh, and uh, it was very easy to get PPE. I'm going to say that took about mm, six weeks. Uh, that was followed by problems with testing. People couldn't get tested. We didn't have enough places around here to provide testing. Well, uh, it took a little while, um, another month or six weeks. 
until uh, adequate testing began to occur. We, be, we began to get this rapid testing, which is antigen testing, and then a facility on Herald Avenue by, was uh, uh, made available by Ohio Health. And they provided PCR testing, the gold standard of testing. And you could get that testing uh, without going to the emergency room. Your doctor could call ahead and you could get PCR testing. So I won't say the testing became easily available, but certainly it improved greatly over a six-week period of time, two-month period of time. Now, the rollout in vaccine administration seems to be occurring the same way. Huge demand, not much vaccine. Uh, I'm informed by, from the state that the vaccine will be rolling out. And, and we're hoping that that occurs and we're planning on that happening. But you are right, Tom. Phase 1A, uh, the plans uh, under Phase 1A were to vaccinate healthcare personnel and long-term care facility residents. And that has only begun to happen. It, it's rolling out very slowly. Well, that rolling out slowly, and then I see a problem, and and talk me down on this perhaps, but the governor about, Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio about a week or so ago said that 60% of the workers in those facilities, in those senior facilities, refused the vaccine. Now, are are we having a problem with that as well as a poor supply? Well, I, I'm surprised a little bit at that figure, but certainly there is some pushback about vaccine. Uh, it's been somewhat politicized because uh, everybody, everybody was concerned about the rapid rollout of the vaccine. And, and there was great concern that uh, this uh, vaccine had produ- been produced too rapidly and that maybe it wasn't uh, uh, a safe uh, vaccine. Now, I practiced pediatrics for a long time, and I witnessed a a number of new vaccines uh, which were produced over the years. Um, As a matter of fact, if you go back to 1798, when Edward Jenner introduced uh, vaccination against smallpox, uh, that vaccine wasn't widely ac- accepted initially. There was a lot of concern about that. And that was the life-saving of that prevented smallpox, which was associated with a huge mortality rate. Uh, the polio vaccine, which was produced in 1955 by Salk, which was, uh, um, which was partly funded by the March of Dimes, wasn't widely accepted at first, although it was very desired. They had a little problems with, with the rollout of that, that vaccine. They, they had some individuals develop polio, actually, from the vaccine, and they had to suspend vaccinations for a little while. And then they reintroduced it around 1956 and 57, and then gradually the public accepted the polio vaccine. In 1963, I remember when measles vaccine came about. Uh, I was uh, just about done with medical school at that time. That was followed by mumps vaccine in 67 and 69 rubella vaccine. And then it was finally combined in an MMR vaccine about 1971. And, and I was practicing by then. And people would um, defer vaccine for a while. They wanted their friends and neighbors to get the vaccine. They didn't entirely trust it. 
And and once uh, a certain number of individuals in the community got the vaccine, in other words, their parents decided that indeed the kids could get the vaccine, uh, the Mother's Network took over and they talked to each other about the vaccine and discovered that indeed it was safe. So many of these vaccines required about a six-week rollout, maybe two-month rollout, before they were accepted by society. I think that the more people who get vaccinated with the coronavirus vaccine, I, I look at, uh, I, I think the rollout will t- occur a little slowly, and not only in supply of vaccine, but in acceptance of vaccine. As more people get vaccinated, we will discover indeed that it is a very safe vaccine, and the data supports that. <clears throat> We'll, we'll discover it's a very safe vaccine and, and people will accept it. But I, I think it's not surprising considering the uh, politicizing of this vaccine that indeed um, a certain percentage of our populace would um, want to defer for uh, some period of time and maybe want their friends and neighbors to get it before uh they uh, d- decided to uh, proceed with the vaccine. So, well, let me let me just ask a, a pointed question, though, on on uh, healthcare workers in private facilities like nursing homes, like assisted living. Can that be a condition of employment that they be vaccinated or they lose their job? Yeah, that's a really important legal question, <laughs> Tom. Uh, I think that uh, they can, uh, I think the employer can make a very strong recommendation that they uh, get vaccinated. Certainly in some facilities, that's true for the influenza vaccine. They make such a strong recommendation and it becomes uh, sort of the culture of the organization that everybody gets the influenza vaccine. Because indeed, if you're working in a hospital and you get influenza, sure. it's highly likely you're gonna spread it to people. Uh, Ohio Health uh, has a very strong recommendation that all of their employees get influenza vaccine. And I think they all do. I think it's very, very rare to have somebody refuse it. Now, I think legally they can. Uh, and I think uh, if they are fired for not uh, getting the vaccine, I think that's a legal question. But I think in certain uh, circumstances, uh, it can become, uh, it's so strongly recommended that uh, it becomes a part of the culture. Of it. Okay. So there's some legality to it all, whether the, because the, I think the individual has the right to refuse vaccine. Of course, there are some people that can't take the vaccines for a variety of reasons. Uh, often the reason is that they've had some serious reaction to a vaccine. And of course, that's the question we ask before we give coronavirus uh, uh, vaccine. Uh, we ask the question, have you ever had anaphylaxis or have you ever collapsed after you had a vaccine? And of course, we would be very concerned. And indeed, after we give coronavirus vaccine, we observe people for, th- for 15 minutes after they get the vaccine. Let me go on to the heart of the issue so far that we've discussed, and that is the scarcity of supply. Uh, why it seems that some areas of Ohio, some areas of the state, are getting greater supply per capita than rural areas like Athens County, Ohio. Why is, why is that, and why is there such a scarcity? 
I wish I knew the answer to that question. We are told that we are given vaccine according to our population. Um, I, I hope that that's true. Uh, and, and certainly uh, the larger cities are getting a lot more vaccine than we are. Uh, I hope that's true. I, I, I don't know any other answer. That's, that's what the High Department of Health has told us, that we're getting vaccine uh, according to uh, the number of people that live in our county. Uh, and I don't have any numbers to refute that. But, but the scarcity and the delay, uh, you, I'm sure you uh, check on that and complain about that and, and and try to get more, correct? That's true. Yes, uh, they hear from us frequently. And uh, what response do they give you? Well, uh, we're giving you what we have. We're, we're giving you what we have and uh, according to your population, and we anticipate there will be more vaccine coming. And um, I, I, so far, we haven't seen that happen. Uh, our allotment for uh, next Monday is 200 doses. I will say this, though, they're pushing out some vaccine to other uh, agencies other than just the health department. Next week, they're going to give some vaccine to pharmacies, um, federally qualified health centers, uh, small numbers of vaccine, a uh, hundred doses perhaps, but they are going to engage uh, some other uh, agencies other than just the health departments. So they're going to push some other vac some vaccine out to them too. Okay, so to put this in further perspective, this week the CDC came out and said, now we're, we're going to jump over phase 1A, we're going to go to 1B, and we're going to say anybody 65 years of age and older should get the vaccine. And the governor says that should be available by January 19th. Well, that's next week. Um, I, I think that's next Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. So, so that gives you a whole raft of additional people, even though you haven't been able to service the initial targeted audience on this. That's so true. Uh, actually, uh, this week, uh, we have a clinic Thursday, and we are going to finish up with our 1A people. And next week, we're going to start with those people who are over 80. And uh, we've been uh, registering people uh, this week. Um, <laughs> at first, we began to register people for uh, vaccine uh, by phone, and uh, we had so many phone calls we couldn't handle it, so we... Uh, began to register them online. So what we are doing is registering actually persons 65 and over and also persons with some congenital birth defect or inherited birth defect or inherited condition. We're registering those people. And that doesn't mean that they're going to get vaccinated right away, but we're registering them. And, and the best way for them to register is really online. They can go to our Facebook page or they can go to AthensPublicHealth.org. And after they get to AthensPublicHealth.org, they'll be uh, referred to a, a vaccination site. 
And at that site, they need to provide a few demographic demographic, a little demographic information, their name, their date of birth, their phone number, their zip code, and uh, their email address. What happens then is um, they are then, uh, this information is going to be sent to a scheduling service called HyperReach. And HyperReach will call them when they're eligible for vaccine. In other words, the 65-year-olds are not going to be eligible for for vaccine immediately, but the 80-year-olds are. Uh, by next uh, uh, Tuesday, we're going to be uh, we're going to be uh, vaccinating eighty-year-olds. Anyway, it, all this information goes to a scheduling service that's called Hyperreach, and they then will call you when you're eligible for vaccine. They give you a date that you're going to receive your vaccine, and then you know, the individual will get an eight hundred number that they're to call in order to establish a time that they're going to be vaccinated. Now, all our vaccine clinics so far right now are going to be held at the Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. Uh, that's a wonderful facility for vaccinating people. Now, if they don't want to get online, and some people uh, don't use the Internet, they can call the health department, uh, 740-592-4431, and they can provide the same information to our staff. Now, uh, when we first rolled this out, we... Uh, tried to roll it out just by phone, and uh, there were so many calls that we couldn't handle it all. So now we're doing it both ways, by telephone or uh, through the Internet. And okay. what, what happens is you get registered into the system if you're 65 and older. That doesn't mean you're going to get vaccinated right away, uh, but you're in the system. And as your number comes up and your time comes up, then you'll be informed of a date, and uh, you'll need to respond to an 800 number to establish a time so that we know for sure, actually, that you're coming. Dr. Gaskell, how are you getting this information out to the public uh, about this registration? Uh, obviously, we're talking, but you know, some seniors don't certainly don't use the internet, certainly don't uh, uh, use Facebook. They, they don't, uh, uh, some of them even have newspapers in, in this area. How do you? How are you trying to get this message out that registrations a requirement, and you can do it now? Yes. Well, we're going to have a press release uh, soon. You know, this is all rolled out uh, in the last, uh, let's say, twenty-four to forty-eight hours. Okay. So uh, it's all happened very rapidly, uh, and and so uh, we, this is <laughs> our conversation is going to help. I hope, Tom. Yes out there. We'll have a press release uh, today. Um, it'll be in the newspaper, I'm sure. Uh, and and actually, um, you know, it's funny how word of mouth works. As soon as we le- released the, the fact that we were uh, going to have a call center and all we had to do was call the health department, uh, we just had, you know, hundreds of calls very rapidly. So, and And some of the some of the individuals who called and actually uh, emailed me uh, were people who, who I was a little surprised to hear from. Uh, they were, you know, certainly beyond 80, and somehow they'd gotten the word. So there is a network of people uh, who have conversations with each other in the area. So um, but it, are, 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 it's going to take a little while to get it out. 
maybe faith communities, other ways of reaching people. Uh, you know, there there are a million ways to get word out uh, other than through media. Are, are you looking at those as well? Yeah, we we had a conversation about that this morning about faith based uh, uh, people. Um, yeah, this is this has rolled out really rapidly. I, I have to tell you though. For our 80-year-old uh, uh, clinic, uh, we already have uh, a, a lot of enrollees. About how um, many, just roughly? Uh, well, there's about 1,300 of them in the area, and uh, we think that there's about 600 of them already enrolled So, uh, in the registration process. So uh, Now, I'm not sure that we'll be able to see them all at, uh, one in one fell swoop. <laughs> right. one clinic, but it depends upon how much vaccine. That seems to be really the controlling factor, Tom, is the amount of vaccine that comes in, not so, our ability to run a big clinic. We could, at the at the Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, we can probably see six or 800 people in a day. Uh, we have enough nurses to uh, uh, accomplish that, and we have enough staff to accomplish that. Now, it would be a, probably a six or seven hour day, if we're going to see 800 people. Um, but I think we can do that in that building. And uh, I assume that if that one building, the Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, which is the new buildings on Union Street or right off Union Street uh, in, in Athens, Ohio, is not sufficient, certainly you could expand facilities with uh, Oblanus or Holzer or other facilities within the county, correct? Yes, we had a we had a nice uh, gathering at actually the community center. Uh, that was our really first vaccination clinic on December twenty uh, third. We vaccinated three hundred ninety nine people who were emergency service providers and uh, developmentally disabled people living in congregate congregate settings. Uh, that was a one A vaccination clinic, and uh, we were able to give mm, three almost four hundred well. One shy of 400 doses in uh, uh, four hours. So uh, at the osteopathic heritage uh, building, we can give more than that. The limiting factor is observing people. After we give the vaccine, we have to observe them for 15 minutes to make sure they don't have a reaction. And in, in today's world of coronavirus, we have to separate those people by six feet. So you need a large recovery area. And that is a limiting factor, a large recovering, recovering area after the vaccination to observe them for 15 minutes to make sure they don't have anaphylaxis. The uh, Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine building has that kind of recovery area. It's, it's a huge area. And we can observe about 60 people at one time there. And they only need to be observed for 15 minutes and then they can go their way. Uh, so that, that is somewhat of a limiting factor. The fact with influenza vaccine, the incidence of uh, anaphylaxis or serious reactions is very, very low. It's so low that we ask questions regarding whether they've had reactions to influenza vaccine before. If they say no, and they almost all do say no, uh, we give the vaccine and let them go on their way. We don't observe them any longer. I remember the days when we did, but we don't do that. As a matter of fact, we can have drive-through clinics uh, for the influenza uh, vaccine. And, and we did this fall. We had a drive-through clinic for influenza. We gave uh, 
650 doses of influenza in an afternoon, uh, and individuals remained in their car, and after they got their vaccine, they left. And so we didn't observe them at all. But this is a new vaccine. We don't have experience with it. And the recommenda- recommendations from the CDC is that we observe people for 15 minutes. I must tell you that the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine, which are the available vaccines to us, in their studies have not had problems. Uh, Pfizer, uh, in their phase three studies, uh, evaluated um, forty thousand people. Moderna, in their uh, studies, evaluated thirty thousand people. Uh, Pfizer had two episodes of anaphylaxis. Moderna had none. They had very few serious reactions to the vaccine. Very, very uncommon. So safe vaccine, but let's get back to uh, some numbers here a a little bit. You said that you opened up the phone lines, the, the, now you have an online registration. How many people total have taken advantage of those and registered uh, to become vaccinated? Well, as I understand this morning, uh, there are several thousand, not 10,000, but several thousand, about 3,000, I think, so far. Okay. So, and now back to supply, because this supply is a mystery to me. Um the supplies come into the state, is that correct? Uh, yes. And come into the state from directly from the manufacturer or from the federal government uh, and then meet it out to local areas. How does that work? We get a UPS delivery uh, on Mondays. Our vaccine arrives on Mondays. and But we're uh, informed ahead of time how much we will get. Now, uh, as I understand it, McKesson uh, is the distributor for the Moderna vaccine. And McKesson delivers it to the state, and the state sends it to local health departments and various other areas. Uh, The Pfizer vaccine, uh, I'm not sure who distributes the Pfizer vaccine, uh, but it is a similar kind of system. Now, these vaccines are a little hard to manage. The Moderna vaccine is not so hard to manage. It doesn't require ultra-cooling. The Pfizer vaccine is much more difficult to manage. Uh, It is uh, housed and stored at minus 60 to minus 80 degrees, and you have to have an uh, ultra-cold freezer, and we have one here. Uh, Mr. Pepper, our administrator, was, was wise enough to purchase one from Sterling, and we have an ultra-cold uh, freezer that can house Pfizer vaccine. Now, it needs certainly to be warmed up. Uh, we, we can't give people vaccine that's uh, right. 60 degrees below zero, so we warm it up over a period of time and then uh, can uh, distribute it and, and can uh, vaccinate somebody. The Moderna vaccine is easier to handle. It's not as cold. Uh, it's uh, zero to uh, 20 degrees, and it's more uh, readily and easy. it's much easier to warm it up. Uh, so we like the Moderna vaccine. 
uh, it's uh, easier to handle. But we're going to we we're ready to accept either one. So far, we've only gotten Moderna. We haven't gotten any Pfizer vaccine, but I think next week we're going to get some Pfizer vaccine. We talked about it this morning. Uh, we're ready to handle it. We we can store it and warm it up and and give it. So you get you get your supply on Monday. When are you notified of how much you're going to receive so that you can plan uh, how many people to inject and when? Uh, we hear about that on Friday. Thursday or Friday is when we're informed about uh, how much vaccine we're going to get. So uh, we so far we've waited to see how much we get before we schedule a clinic so we get the vaccine on monday and we use we have a vaccination clinic on thursday now as we get more vaccine we're going to start scheduling vaccine uh, administration clinics uh, two or three times a week uh for next week we're going to give a uh, vaccine on uh, actually tuesday we're going to get vaccine on monday we're going to give vaccine on tuesday and on thursday the thursday vaccine is going to involve those individuals who are receiving a second vaccine because these uh, both of the both the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine require two injections. The Moderna vaccine is uh, given 28 days apart, two shots, 28 days apart, and the Pfizer vaccine is 21 days apart. Uh, in order to get fully vaccinated, uh, you need to get uh, two shots. Now, a, a single shot provides some protection. Both companies that have produced these vaccines uh, assure us that there is some protection provided by a single dose. But in order to have uh, 95% protection, in other words, almost complete protection from getting the coronavirus disease, you need to have two injections of these vaccines. And both of them uh, have a very similar safety profile and also uh, a similar efficacy. There, uh, I think uh, a Moderna was 94.3% efficacy and completely preventing disease, and Pfizer was 95. They were, they were very close. And they have a similar safety profile. Uh, very little, um, very few side effects. Uh, very few serious side effects. Uh, uh, there are some mild side effects associated with both vaccines. People have sore arms. They'll complain of being uh, a little fatigued for a day or two, some achiness, no significant fever. Uh, there were uh, two individuals in 30,000 that had anaphylaxis, which means that they got short breath, uh, may have gotten hives, an allergic reaction. These treated with uh, epinephrine uh, fairly readily. Nobody died. Uh, from the uh, reactions to the vaccine, uh, very safe, very safe uh, vaccines uh, with uh, a little in the way of side effects. Now they they do say that the second vaccine produces more, uh, a little more fever, a little more achiness. You don't feel quite right for a little bit, a longer period of time. These are immune reactions. Actually, they're a sign that your immune system is uh, working. And uh, you sometimes get the same thing with an influenza vaccine. You you don't feel quite right for a couple of days. You have a little fever. That's a sign that the immune system is responding to the antigen that's been injected in your uh, arm. And so it's true for these vaccines, too, that uh, your, um, your sore arm, your fever, your muscle 
achiness is all is all due to the immune response of the vaccine. Okay, so I'm still backtracking supply here. Uh, how many how many doses of vaccine has Athens County received so far? Well, we've given everything we've received from the health department. So 438. That's exactly right. Okay. Now, I don't know exactly how many Ohio Health is given right. to their associates, but, but I think But I'm talking about several hundred. general general population here. 400 yeah, 438. Yeah. Now, this coming Monday, how many do you expect to, how many doses do you expect to get? And do you expect that number to increase each week hereafter? We're, we're uh, going to get uh, 200 doses on Monday. Uh, and we hope that we can collaborate uh, with another entity and increase uh, the number of people we can vaccinate to maybe 300 on Tuesday. And that would be uh, a nice increase in, in what we've experienced. Okay. So, so, so that being, that being the case, 438 so far, maybe 500 next week. That's roughly a thousand, a little bit under a thousand, and a county of 65,000 people. You know, this seems like it's going to either drag on forever or you're going to be overloaded all at once. Talk about how this is going to pace out. Yeah, you know, this is our. Uh, you- you reflect our sentiments exactly that uh, indeed uh, it will uh, pace out uh, either very, very slowly and it'll take us, uh, you know, nine months or a year to get everybody vaccinated or we're going to get more vaccine. I think we're going to get more vaccine. And what we're going to do then is push it out. And we're going to have vaccination clinics three times a week. Uh, certainly we'll have one on Tuesday. We'll have one on Thursday, which will be a follow up one. And then we'll have one on Saturday, which will. Uh, be able to, we'll be able to capture some people who might have difficulty getting in during the week because of their work schedule, et cetera. So uh, we've uh, we've uh, circled Saturday as a possible vaccination date, as well as Thursdays and uh, Tuesdays. So I wouldn't be surprised over the next couple of weeks that we'll be increasing to uh, increasing uh, a number of times that we vaccinate weekly to three times a week. I, I so, so of the 3,000 people who have registered that uh, either online or by phone that they would like to have the vaccine, and that's of the age currently 65 and over, uh, you know, if you're 70, 65, if you're in the lower part of that bracket, you're not 80 and above, you know, how long are people going to have to wait? Do you have any idea when people ask you that question? Yeah, that's a really tough question because it hinges on availability of vaccine because we are going to get it out as fast as we get right. it. Right. We are we won't be sitting on vaccine for a week or two. Got it. We're going to get it out as fast as we can get it. So, if they give us if they were to give us 800 doses or 1000 doses, on Monday, we would get it out that week. Now it might be two clinics. Sure, but uh, but you would get it out. We'd get it out. 
and, and as a matter of fact, <laughs> we, and we were so excited about the Heritage uh, vaccinating facility uh, that, that we were sorely disappointed when we didn't give very much in the way of vaccine at our first clinic last Thursday because we recognized how many people we could move through through there if we had an adequate amount of vaccine, if we had a reasonable amount of vaccine, like 600 doses or something like that, or 800 doses, uh, because it is an ideal location. Uh, and, and, and we're very excited about uh, the location. And uh, the, only, uh, the, the only thing that... Uh, delays us and prevents us from giving vaccine is availability. And that would be, would your answer be the same to that as it applies to CVS and Walgreens for the 1A group that it's been a slow rollout because of lack of supply? I think that's true. I think that they're getting small, small amounts also and, and unable to vaccinate very many people. Okay, now the question that everybody's got on their mind from this then is, are our vaccines going someplace else in Ohio? Is somebody else getting a priority over us here in rural Appalachian Ohio? I don't think so. And uh, now we have uh, we have calls uh, weekly with the High Department of Health, and we ask those same questions, and their response is that indeed. Uh, it's being uh, distributed in a fair way that, uh, of course, the major cities are getting more vaccine than the smaller rural counties. Of course. But they're distributing it according to population density. That's the response we get. And we don't have any reason to doubt that as we have conferred with our uh, local counties, the counties that surround us. It sounds like they're getting uh, actually less than us, but their uh, needs are less than ours. The number of people that they needed to vaccinate in the 1A category uh, was was fairly small in Denton County, as you might imagine. Uh, It's much greater here. Uh, We have a hospital here. We have people that need to be uh, vaccinated because they're uh, uh, first responders. Do you have an estimate, doctor, of how many people are in that 65 and over a group here in Athens County, the uh, population generally. Well, I, I I did for the I do for the eighty some year old people, but I I don't for that group. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it's you know maybe eight thousand, maybe okay something like that. Okay, it'll be a significant number. Now, other question that that local people will want to know is the university's coming back this coming week. Uh, January 19th is the opening day of the spring semester, and people are going to be on campus in greater numbers than they have in the past. What, if anything, is that going to do with the vaccination rate? I know it may have an impact on the number of case rates, but what's it going to do, if anything, to the vaccination rates? Well, you know, those students aren't, aren't going to get vaccinated for uh, quite a long while. They they probably are uh, individuals who are uh, going to be vaccinated uh, last. They are not uh, vulnerable. They uh, seldom get hospitalized. 
As a matter of fact, they often are not very thick. Um, they often have loss of taste and smell as their only symptom. And they've learned that that's a symptom of the disease. And so they get tested and they have a positive test. They often have very little fever, uh, very little in the way of symptoms. They don't get hospitalized. Uh, and, and so um, they're going to be the last people vaccinated. The first people vaccinated are going to be the uh, people who are most vulnerable to disease, to disease, older people, and people with underlying conditions. And, and of course, right. after a certain age, after 70, you're bound to have some underlying conditions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost everybody over seventy has something. Yes, I do. Now you know. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw some some numbers at you. Uh, as of January twelfth this year, the number of individuals who have had coronavirus disease, age twenty to twenty nine, is one thousand four hundred sixty nine. And age uh, zero to 19 is 496. In the decades after that, nobody comes close. 1,469 individuals age 20 to 29, 30, 39, 309, 40, 49, 301, 50, 59, 340, etc. They're in the 300s or so. Here we have roughly 1,500 individuals age 20 to 29, and we all know who those people are in Athens County who have been infected. So the infection rate among the college students is much higher than uh, than the uh, rest of the uh, county. And and we have had no deaths in uh, the younger population. We've had uh, nine deaths uh, in uh, older individuals. Actually, our uh, youngest person who died was between 50 and 59, and then the rest of them are all in, in older than age uh, 50. Uh, it, it seems, though, that we're dealing with this vaccination issue at the same time that we're dealing with rising numbers due to holidays, rising numbers of new cases, hospitalizations, and, et, et, et cetera, both of this uh, coming at the same time, sort of a double whammy. Yes, and uh, that puts a considerable stress on a, a small rural health department. We are uh, required to conduct case investigations on all cases of coronavirus. Everybody who tests positive for coronavirus is reported to a state system, ODRS, Ohio Disease Reporting System. And every morning we check that system to uh, discover uh, new cases. And we are required to investigate all those cases. In other words, we call them, uh, remind them that they need to be isolated for 10 days. That's the isolation period if you have disease, because from the time of onset of symptoms until you're uh, symptom-free after 10 days is the period that you're contagious. From the time of onset of symptoms, 10 days later, you're not contagious after that time. So we inform them of that, and then we investigate contacts that they've had, people they've spent time with who might get infected, and we quarantine those people. That requires a considerable amount of time. We get 30 to 40 cases a day. I think maybe our highest was 55 one time, but now it's roughly 30 or 40 every day, and our personnel here at the health department must investigate all those cases. And then we, re we report the investigation to the high disease reporting system. And there's a there's an online form that we fill out. Uh, 
for all those investigations. So while we're doing that, while we're conducting those investigations and talking to people and isolating people and quarantining them, we're also now trying to deliver vaccine to arms. So there's a considerable amount of uh, pressure uh, placed on small rural health departments to accomplish their mission. Now, the university is helping us with case investigations of students and quarantine of students. So they're actively involved in that, and they've been uh, a wonderful partner. Uh, we talk to the university uh, every week, and and actually they offered up their uh, Osteopathic Heritage Foundation uh, uh, site for vaccination, and they are helping do case investigations with the students and quarantines with the students. And as a matter of fact, we quarantined several dormitories last fall because there was so much disease in the dormitory. So uh, the university has been a, a wonderful partner, and uh, we do work with them. And, and we, we had actually a conference call with them this morning. Uh, every Wednesday, we have a conference call with the university personnel. And let me, uh, they, they've been great. Let me ask you just a couple more things, uh, just so that everybody is is clear out there who may be listening to this. The health department gets notice, the local health department gets notice on Thursday or Friday of how many doses of vaccine they will get on Monday. That number here to four has been very low, but it may be increasing as more vac vaccine is available. That vaccine is delivered and authorized by the Ohio Department of Health, and you receive that on Monday, but it's in arms by the following Friday or, or Saturday. Well, well actually, it, uh, it, it has been in arms either by, usually by Thursday. But, but it, with more people, it's going to take a bit longer. Yes, it is. But, and but, and our, our plans are, uh, we're going to get it Monday. Our plans are to deliver it Tuesday uh, and Thursday and possibly Saturday. So those, those are the, but, uh, the days we're going to, and those days have changed. I mean, Tuesday, we, this, we've just started to give vaccine on, plan, plan to give vaccine on Tuesday. Previously, it's always been Thursday. We waited a few but days. But whatever you get that week is dispensed that week. So people uh, should not think that the health department, local health department is uh, stockpiling uh, vac vaccine. It's, it's in and out in the same week, correct? That is exactly okay. right. And we're not, we're not hoarding it. We're getting rid right. of it. We're putting it in arms. And the amount that you get is determined by the Ohio Department of Health by some population formula that they have. But the local health department and others keep lobbying the State Department of Health to get more vaccines down here quicker, correct? That is exactly right. All right. So now that we have phase one, the nursing homes that – uh, the pharmacies are supposed to be doing, and we have the 1A group that uh, of health workers that everybody is sort of uh, partnering to do. We've opened this group now to 65 and over. That is going to be a 
systematic way of distribution. You have to register. You will then be called uh, and notified of a date where you will receive your vaccine. If you're 80 and over, it's going to be perhaps next week. If you're 65 uh, to 70, uh, you're going to have to wait a while. But we don't know, you don't know how long people will have to wait because you don't know what the supply is that's going to come in. Am I correct on that? You are exactly correct. And and I'm uh, I'm not very anxious to talk about how long people will have to wait for the vaccine because it's so dependent upon uh, how much we receive. Correct. And if I promise that the 65-year-olds are going to start getting vaccine in two weeks, uh, I, 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 I might not be able to uh, fulfill that But promise. as soon as you get uh, it, they but, will get it in order of priority uh, as dictated by the Ohio Department of Health, local Department of Health, and the CDC. That's exactly right, Tom. Okay. Um, and, and we're, we're going to uh, start with 80-year-olds and then work our way down. All right. So taking a breath here, if people want to clamor about the lack of vaccine in a rural county in Ohio, Athens County, Ohio, complaining to you seems to me to not be all that effective because you're not hoarding vaccines and you only get what you can get from the state. Any pressure, it seems, or complaints seem to me should be directed to the State Department of Health. Is that correct? Well, I think that's true, Tom, and, and uh, I, I would be very pleased if uh, the complaints were directed that way. Now, uh, people do complain to, to us a lot, and it makes them feel better, but uh, it, uh, it it doesn't change anything. It doesn't put more shots in arms. It doesn't put more shots in arms. It, 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 they feel better if they complain, but uh, it, it doesn't solve the problem. Dr. Gaskell, what am I missing from all of this? Is there anything else that you would like to to add? It, it just seems, again, uh, rural parts of Ohio are getting uh, things last and, and if available, and we're certainly not a priority to the uh, urban areas, and, and that's usual, but on on something like this, sometimes the rural areas have higher percentage of elderly population. Certainly, our region has a higher percentage of, of people with underlying conditions if you look at it on a per capita basis. And uh, there seems to be an argument that can be made that more vaccine needs to come this way. Yes, I'd agree, Tom. I think people need to keep in mind, though, they aren't helpless. Even though they don't have vaccine, they can still mask up, social distance, be careful, wash their hands frequently, and do the things that we know work to prevent disease. So social distancing is important. Avoiding crowds really is important. Washing your hands five times a day at least at least works. Masking up is effective. Uh, that's been demonstrated uh, in, in so many studies that that's helpful. So there are People are not helpless to protect themselves. There are things that they can do until vaccine arrives on the scene. Um, and I think that I think we need to have uh, we need to step back and have a little 
a little faith. This uh, this is something we have never dealt with before. Uh, none of us have been through a pandemic before. The last one was in 20, uh, 1920, 1920. Uh, we're better prepared. We have more effective treatment. We have ventilators. We have some drugs. We have antibodies now available to treat people. So our survival rate from the disease, when people get our when they get disease, our survival rate is better than it was a few months ago. We've learned how to treat the disease. Uh, I think we also need to keep in mind and have a, a, a some faith uh, that indeed we had a slow rollout of PPE, we had a slow rollout of testing capability, and that's come a long way. And I anticipate that it won't be too long till the vaccine begins to roll out uh, in uh, greater greater numbers. Vaccinations will occur in greater numbers, I think, within the f- next few weeks. Uh, so we just have to hold on, keep doing some of the things that we're doing. And even after we're vaccinated, we still need to mask up and social distance. Uh, we're not going to suddenly get herd immunity from delivering vaccine to uh, you know a few thousand people. We're going to need about 80% of us immunized in order to have herd immunity, which will provide a very safe environment for all of us. Dr. Gaskell, thank you so much for talking with us this morning. And uh, we're going to check back with you as this this rolls out and, and, and rolls along. Well, Tom, I think probably we will be able to have a uh, uh, a happier conversation in a few weeks as we begin as we begin to mo- give more vaccine. I mu- I can't tell you how <clears throat> the atmosphere in our health department changed when we began to deliver vaccine just to a few people. We haven't given it to very many people, but things have changed around here. Um, there are more smiles. Um, there's more confidence that we're going to see an end to this pandemic. And, and the nurses have more enthusiasm, despite the fact that they're just working very, very hard. We have a wonderful group of uh, individuals here at the health department who seem to be indefatigable. <laughs> they march on and on and on. <clears throat> but now there's they have a little their step. A little bounce in the step. A little bounce now that they didn't have a couple weeks ago. It seemed to be endless case investigations and quarantines and not much hope in sight. But now we have vaccine and uh, people are much more optimistic. Thank you. You're welcome. Today, we've been talking with Dr. James R. Gaskell, the health commissioner and medical doctor for a rural Appalachian, Ohio county about the problems delivering the COVID-19 vaccine to his residents. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available through the NPR Podcast directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through one of your favorite podcast outlets. Thank you.